0: You're listening to episode 16 of the In The City podcast. And welcome to In The City, a podcast dedicated to advancing hope, crafting purpose, and shaping transformation. Hosted by the Reverend Dr. Jonathan G. Smith, our goal is to help you live out your faith in the city. Whether you're at work, or home, or in the car, it doesn't matter, because this podcast is dedicated to empower you to live an extraordinary life of faith in the urban jungle of the city. And now, here's your host, Jonathan. And what up, everybody? So great to be back here after a long summer off of podcasting. Oh my gosh, I just can't even believe it. It just feels it just feels better to be back behind the microphone. I don't know why that is. I think maybe it's because I'm a preacher and preachers, you know, a preacher's best friend is a microphone. But got to say Great to be here with you. I missed being here. Can you tell? I'm just super, super excited to be here. Listen, so much to share with you. Um, But before I even get into that, you know, listen, I just... I just need to apologize to you for just a second, because I basically just disappeared. I, I, I rolled out the last on being a reformed evangelical Anglican, uh, and I rolled that show out, and then nothing. I just stopped, and I'm going to get into a little bit about why I stopped here, uh, and you're going to find that out later in the show today, but... Um, that's really a no-no in podcast world. Just disappear like that. So I'm back. I'm I'm excited. So much. Uh, so much has happened. But here is the bottom line. I had to take some time off from podcasting because my children were at home with my wife and I all summer long. And usually what we do with our kids, and we have three kids, by the way, uh, Jillian, Sterling, and little baby Chamberlain. And uh, little baby Chamberlain's really not a baby. He's actually a toddler. He's two years old. He has red hair and blue eyes. And he is everything that you would imagine a red-haired, blue-eyed boy to be at the age of two. So we did this thing where we had to stagger our work schedules, where I basically was working in the mornings, getting up real early, going into the office, trying to get as much done as possible, and then taking off early afternoon to grab the three kids and to pull them out of my wife's hair. And then she was going to work uh, for her job. She works in Knox Theological Seminary. And... Um, Anyways, uh, it it became this balancing act where we were just trying to keep our kids occupied throughout the entire summer. And it was really neat. It was good to spend that time with my children. and um, But I have to say, it's great that they're going back to school. And uh, in fact, I have a little bit of a a song that I'm going to share with you later on that I think is hysterical. But let me kind of roll into something else. The show format is going to change. And how is it going to change. Well, earlier this uh, summer, I had decided in my mind that I wanted to reach out to his now a good friend of mine. His name is Cliff Ravenscraft. He is over at the podcast answerman.com And I really wanted to take this show and to really kick it up a notch because I felt like, you know, there's got to be more that I can do to increase the uh, to increase the quality of the show. So I enrolled, in his podcasting A to Z course. And uh, just through the process of working with him, uh, we decided that we're gonna make some changes to the show. And so in the coming weeks, you're gonna see a new name, you're gonna see some new branding uh, for it, and uh, In the City is gonna go away. I love In the City, uh, but we definitely have to think through uh, what we're gonna do in terms of the future. So that's coming, I don't wanna spoil the surprise, but also some other things that we decided to do was to try to break up Longmont Logs. Now, I don't know about you but I can listen to a long monologue if it's interesting, if it's really holding my attention. But you know, one of the things I realized about us and particularly North Americans is we have a super short attention span. And so sometimes we just have to break it up. And so I wanted to bring a couple of things into the show. Not every show is going to be alike, but we're going to do different uh, kinds of segments. So I'm going to roll out uh, what I'm calling the catechismic moment, which is where we're going to go deep into catechesis. If you don't know what that word means. That's an old, old Christian term. It means essentially teaching, Um, but it goes way, way, way back into the first century, third century church where uh, people were called catechumens. Um, And so I'm going to roll that out in just a minute. Also, I want to bring to you some of my tech tips of the week and also uh, a featured segment and I've got some other little surprises for you say hang in there with me I think it's just gonna be an incredible show today we're gonna be talking about uh, confessional Christianity looking at some of these different uh, tech tips for you and then I have a really cool thing to talk with you about so hang on as we start working into this So let me ask you a question here for just a minute. If somebody asked you and they said, you know, Jonathan, or, or you know, I'm asking myself that question, but let, let, let's just put it, let's just say someone came to me and said, yo, you know, Jonathan, what is it that you believe? In fact, let me just tell you, as uh, an Anglican uh, minister, I get asked that question a lot particularly by Baptists. I don't know what Baptists have against Anglicans, but I remember when I became an Anglican uh, minister, my mother was like, do you, do you still believe in Jesus? And I was like, yes, mom, I still believe in Jesus. And, uh, you know, Anglican, no one knows what an Anglican is in North America, but if you were to go to other parts of the world, um, you would you would discover that a lot of people know what an Anglican is. But in, here in America, we don't know. Um, but there is a whole, whole movement uh, particularly within evangelicalism, something called confessionalism. And so, confessionalism is this uh, movement, uh, particularly among Protestants, that says that yes, we hold to the Bible to be our standard, as our standard of faith, as our final authority of, of faith, but we also look to this confession which basically is a statement of beliefs that outlines what we believe. And so that's the question I have for you. Where do you go or what do you look for as a statement of what you believe? Now, here's the problem that I think we run into when we think or we dismiss confessions. And this is something that I had wished that I had growing up as a kid. Now, when I was raised... I was raised essentially as a as a fundamentalist. I'm no longer a fundamentalist. I don't think of myself or define myself as a fundamentalist, um, and that's something that we could uh, perhaps talk about in future shows. But. Um, I don't think of myself as a fundamentalist. What I do think of myself, though, is a confessionalist Christian. in the confession that I happen to subscribe to, and subscribe, you know, it's just like anything else. This is what I hold to, or, or I'm taking this in. What I subscribe to is the 39 Articles of Religion, which is one of the oldest English confessions um, in English history. And it predates the Westminster Confession, it predates the London's Baptist Confession, it predates a lot of these confessions. And it was really the English people's first, first stru- or, or attempt to try to take all of these things that we believe and codify them in a document. You say, well, you know, Jonathan, why is that even important? Why should I even pay attention to that? And the fact is, you know, most people don't. Most people really don't. They don't say, hey, you know what, that's like a little bit over my head. But here's the problem. If you begin or if you ignore this aspect of your faith, all right, if you ignore that, the problem is, that you end up almost treating your faith like a buffet. Almost like, you know, I'll, I'll take a little bit of this, you know, I think I'll take a little bit of that. Uh, I I think I'm going to raise my hands. You know, I'm feeling a bit charismatic today. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Or the next day you're feeling kind of sullen and think Oh! yeah. It, 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 and those are just kind of absurd expressions, right? But if you, if you sort of approach faith as I'm going to take a little bit of this, I'm going to take a little bit of that. What you really end up with is a shallow faith that is incapable, incapable of really being uh, or, or really standing up in the midst of all the turmoil that is around us. You know, And one of the things that I think is so crystal clear and one of the most important things is what we consider the doctrine of election. And I'm actually going to talk about election in the future. But election is really tied to our understanding of salvation. That is, you know, how do we get saved? Well, if you really don't know, or if you were raised like I was, that you were saved when you said a little magic prayer and you asked Jesus into your heart, And that's what saved you. Then there comes a time in your adult life, maybe even as a teenager, when you might actually say, you know, I'm not feeling the warm and fuzzies anymore. And I'm not even sure, and I'm, not, I'm not, And God seems so distant, and, and I don't even really know, and why does this pastor keep saying this, and why does my church keep doing this, and maybe I'm just going to go down over here, they got a pretty cool youth program, and man, they got a really killer band, I love that band so much, I think, I, you know, I'm just going to check them out, and then the next thing you know, you're just drifting from place to place to place. Why? Because you don't have any kind of compass, and that's really what a confession is. It's a compass. It's a a document. It kind of serves and kind of helps you articulate your faith in simple propositional statements. And these are propositional statements that, you know, thousands, if not thousands, hundreds of thousands, and if not a hundred thousands, you know, millions of people over time have looked to and have said, yeah, this is what I believe. And so let me just encourage you to think through whatever you're, if you're a Baptist or a Methodist or, or, you know, charismatic or Pentecostal, whatever it is, let me just encourage you to reach out to your pastor and say, hey, you know, what are the standards of our faith and, and see what they have to say. All right, this is Smitty's Tech Tip of the Week. You know, listen, you say, you know, Jonathan, who's Smitty? And the answer is, is I'm Smitty. So let me just tell you about Smitty. Smitty is an alternative personality that exists within myself. And no, I'm not schizophrenic or bipolar or have multiple people. It's just this little geek side of me uh, that I invented years ago. And obviously, I'm a little bit of a geek because I love to sit and do podcasts and many other kinds of things. But anyways, uh, we won't judge. There's no judging here allowed on the In the City podcast. But anyways, we we are, um, or Smitty was a personification of the super salesman that I sort of embraced when I started out in with uh, my pharmaceutical career. And so what happened was I was actually uh, confronted with this uh, problem. And the problem was I was 24 years old and vanilla white boy in a suit trying to compete against other seasoned representatives, many of them of the opposite sex and far more attractive than, say, me. And they are out there competing with me and I had to figure out a way to grab the doctor's attentions and so I actually created sort of this bravado sales personality called Smitty. And I can tell you that that was a lot of fun, but my wife used to say, Jonathan, you got to leave Smitty at the door. So you may hear more from Smitty on these podcasts. But anyways, getting to the tip of the tip, the tech tip of the week. This is super cool. I what are you doing to protect your kids from Internet pornography? Let me just let me just come right out there and just throw that at you. What are you doing to protect your kids let me kind of tell you that as a recovering sex addict, as a kid who was introduced to pornography umpteen years ago, in fact, I remember the first time that I was ever introduced to pornography. I was probably no older than my son right now. I was probably six or seven. Maybe I was eight years old, but there was you know, a boy in the neighborhood and there was this I guess it was a treehouse, but it really wasn't a treehouse. It was just sort of a a shack in the middle of the woods that young boys like to hang out in. But in that shack was all of these old Playboy magazines. And so that was my actual introduction into pornography. And I can tell you, um, I actually had a podcast or I used to have a podcast called The Generation XXX Show. That was the first time that I ever started podcasting back in 2008. But I started that podcast because as a way to try to help other people who were struggling with internet pornography. Fast forward 20 years, and I can tell you that when the internet internet hit back in the 90s and yes i am that old but when the internet hit back in the 90s i can tell you that pornography was a serious serious industry that was beginning to embrace that technology in fact, much of the technology that we have today is a direct result of the, pornogra- the pornography industry pushing the bounds of technology. Much of the information technology, videos, all of that technology was birthed out of. The adult or or pornography industry, I don't like giving them the adult entertainment. Let's just call it what is. But anyways, you might be hearing some thunder in the background. It's uh, raining here in Florida. But what are you doing to protect your kids? Well, let me tell you something that I did that transformed my life and it also transformed uh, my marriage. And that is CovenantEyes.com. I was introduced to Covenant Eyes uh, back in 2008, so eight years ago, and I have been a customer of them ever since. In fact, uh, what Covenant Eyes is, it's a, it's an internet accountability um, service. They put a little icon and a little uh, program on your computer that you cannot go surf the internet without Covenant Eyes monitoring everything that goes on inside your computer. And Basically, what it does is it Keeps a track of all the illicit sites. And then what it does is it sends a report to whomever your accountability partner. In my case, it happens to be my wife. So you can imagine the uncomfortable conversations that we have, but they also began to do something even better than accountability. They took it up a notch and they uh, added in filtering. And so just recently, I noticed that my kids were beginning to uh, get really heavily involved in the internet and I said, you know, I've got to figure out a way to protect these kids. So I I went into Covenant Eyes. I expanded my package, and we're only talking like ten bucks a month. I mean, that's that that you know that's nothing. I mean, that's not even a movie pass anymore uh, for a single person. But I went ahead and expand and expanded my service, and so now they have filtering. They each have their own my my child or my children each have their own account, and we have all kinds of parameters set up for them. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you to do, whether it's Covenant Eyes. And you can go to JonathanGSmith.com uh, forward slash ITC16. I'll have the link in there to Covenant Eyes. But if you, uh, what are you doing to protect your kids? If a little investment like that can can save your kids from years and years of struggle, then I think it's worth every single dollar. And something that you really should pray about and think through. So, Again, CovenantEyes.com. I am an affiliate for them, just so you understand. I do get a, a little bit of a commission if you sign up through that link. But I'm not telling you that, uh, that because I get a little commission. I'm telling you because I truly believe in the service and all the things uh, that they do. And uh, let me just say, think through that, okay? And yes... Switching gears a little bit. That's a pretty heavy, 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 heavy tactic there. Things will be a little bit more practical after that. But we're going to be kind of moving our attention and talking about one of my favorite topics. And that is the remainder of the show. We're going to be talking about my children. And yes, it is all about... I'm not going to sit here and tell you all about my kids, but what I want to tell you about is the crazy summer that I had. And I sort of talked about it at the very beginning of the show and talked through just the challenges that my wife and I had. And what's really funny is, it's not even funny, but like two months later, so all the way now, the kids are going back to school. And about two weeks ago, I noticed that some videos and some funny, funny, funny songs were starting to appear on the internet. And uh, one of the one of the funniest ones I heard was a uh, a spoof that was done by DMX. It was done by a family. Um, and it was a spoof of DMX's up in here. Take a listen to it. I think it uh, summarizes well uh, how I've been feeling over the past couple of weeks. Stop talking to me for the rest of the day. Hey! Lola, Woo! Y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Up in here. Up in here. Y'all gonna end up in timeout. Up in here. Up in here. Y'all need to not lose your cool. Up in here. Up in here. Y'all need to go back to school. Up in here. Here. I got to tell you in the summer all day and all night Both the kids are here together and they always fight School got out in June happy as a honeymoon But three months later we're all singing a little different tune Daddy come on, sleep until noon Have You eat out some cereal with a spoon on the floor? Make breakfast like that? Seriously daddy? Oh, that's true, because cats don't ever complain about Sometimes being bored. Be We've almost made it. Just a few more weeks till school. Kids will be out of the house. spend time with your spouse. Or, or just lounge down. at the local pool. This summer there's been laughs. Tears. Breakdowns got weird. At times there seems to be, be no rules. But soon you'll say, Yippee! You'll be gone from eight to three. You can take a shower. You can eat some food. You mm. can go to work. You can get tattoos your kids will finally be at school. Yes. Yes, and my kids are back in school, and I have totally felt that way. And I can tell you, when I saw those two videos, um, one was on lifeofdad.com. That's a great site. They've got some funny stuff on there. You can check that out. Uh, The other one actually appeared, um, I, I can't even remember, I think it was on the Huntington Post, but they had this great, great spoof of this video. I posted it on Facebook and on YouTube. I got a couple of likes from that, but hysterical, hysterical video. And it sort of embraces that wonderful tension of our kids that, yes, we love them, but it is so much work and this summer one of the things that I did was I said you know I could complain by the fact that I have to spend all this time now uh, away from work which by the way is such a workaholic that is something that I would love to do and say and I'm guilty of it or I could look at it in a different way and I could say hey what what other opportunity do I have actually to invest in my kids And this might be one of the most critical summers of my life. And the fact of the matter is, it really turned out to be um, because there were some things just going on, some dynamics in in our family and, you know, some tensions with my daughter. My daughter's entering that weird preteen stage where she kind of goes from from laughing to crying and to laughing like within 30 seconds. And I'm like, what? What just happened here? And so, uh, you know, and then my son, who my middle son, who has all the middle child issues and is always constantly having to fight off his sister and fight off his little brother. This was this the season where I said, you know, I'm going to really invest into my kids. And one of the coolest stories that came out of this summer actually is a story from my son. and And I want to brag on him because this kind of gets to the crux of this episode. And what I posted on uh, the show is that this is about the power of execution. And what do I mean by that? Well, my son Sterling, he uh, wanted to learn, or actually that's not really true. I challenged my son Sterling this summer. I said, you have to learn to ride your bike. There is no more excuse because you're 66 years old and you're still using training wheels And, you know, I was I was really concerned that when he started hanging out with some of his other buddies, that if he was still using training wheels and his buddies were freestyling it on two wheels, you know, I frankly I was concerned that he was going to get picked on. But what happened was he uh, earlier on, he was I'll say about a year ago, I took the the the, I took the training wheels off and he fell. And what happened was he developed this incredible fear of. This incredible fear of falling off his bike. So he's like, Dad, I can't ride my bike. I can't ride my bike. I can't ride my bike. And I said, Son, you can ride your bike. And he's very athletic. He, he's very coordinated, actually. But for whatever reason, he had this fear of riding his bike. And I said, Son, if you learn to ride your bike, then I will take you to Wet n' Wild. And that's exactly what happened. So I take him to out into the to the road. And he's scared to death and he's, you know, he hasn't quite got his balance, but after working with him for about 30 minutes, he said, dad, or actually he started getting, he said, dad, look, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I said, yes. And within a day, that kid was riding his bike all over the place, and I ended up having to take the kids to Wet n' Wild. I say having to because let me tell you, at 40 years old, well, almost 40 years old, um, (laughs) Wet n' Wild is not as easy as it used to be. But here is the lesson that I took away from this summer and what I would like to close on today, and that is the power of execution. You know, I had a boss and this boss of mine, he used to say this. He said, between inspiration and realization stands the gulf of execution. And what he meant by that was in his life, and, and he was he was a, a multimillionaire. He had started his own company. He had started ministries. I mean, a, a very accomplished man. But from his experience, one of the things that he would talk about was, was how he uh, had saw plans over the years, just, you know, they just never made it off paper. And he called it a gulf or the gulf of execution because it's one thing to talk about what you're going to do. It's an entirely another thing to go out and do it. And so my son Sterling, he, I, I said, son, look what you did. I said, you, you did it. And you know what he said to me? And it was profound. He said, yeah, dad, I turned an I can't into an I did. Did you catch that? He said, I turned an I can't into an I did. He executed. He realized his dream. He overcame the obstacle and he managed to take something and to do it. You know, so many times and I am so guilty of this. There have been things that I've wanted to do. There's been times when I wanted to lose weight. There's been times when I wanted to start a podcast or or get you know something off on my website. Some you know whatever my dream is and it just sits there. And the problem is is that when your endeavors just sit there and you don't begin to work on them, they never move. And I can tell you so many people are out there and they're guilty of not really embracing this incredible, incredible power of execution. When you begin to do something, when you begin to act on and to make up your mind, and then begin to act upon that, you have unlocked a very powerful force. One of the things that I've done this summer is I've been studying uh, the book uh, by Napoleon Hill, the art of 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 grow. I think it's the art of getting rich or or the art the art of getting rich. I'm gonna have to look that up, but it's a really famous book. And the the thing is that what Napoleon Hill talks about in his book, and, and I'll, have the right, I'll have the right title for you. I, I'm just sort of, this is off the top of my head. I wasn't planning on talking about it, but he talks about this great power of decision and action. And so many times as Christians, we, send, we sometimes think that God has this plan for us and we sort of take this passive approach and therefore, and then we look around and we wonder, well, you know, nothing's ever happening or I'm stuck in this situation. I'm stuck in this work uh, situation or I'm stuck in this, you know, problem that I have. And then you never execute. How do you take the I can't or into an I did and that is through the power of execution. Napoleon Hill. He talks about this. This uh, I think he calls it the imputation of faith into the mind, or transmutation is the word. And and I'm actually going to talk a little bit more in depth in this in a coming in a couple of weeks. But you know he talks about this thing, and he boils it down to faith. Now, one of the things that the Bible talks about faith, she's, the Bible defines faith in a really interesting way. He says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My son, the only thing that I did to my son was I challenged him to say, son, you could ride your bike. But he had to face his fears. And when I began to wet his appetite with wet and wild, I could tell that he was going to learn how to ride his bike because he could see himself on those slides and he was so excited that he would fall and fall and fall. And that little rascal, I mean, it didn't take him any any time at all to pull the trigger and to learn how to ride his bike. You know, there's a couple other takeaways from this summer that, that I think are really critical as well. And that is, is that we... You know, let me just encourage you if you have your kids, don't underestimate the time spent with your children. They are a gift from God. And sometimes I think that uh, in our lives, in our hectic lives, it is so easy to get caught up in just staring at our phones, staring at Facebook, you know, looking and checking our social media, et cetera. And we miss out on this incredible person. A couple of months ago, actually, I had this realization, I I had these two boys, and and I'm not discounting my daughter either, but I had this, this realization that I have these two boys that one day are going to grow up and be men. And I have this opportunity to invest into these two boys, to intentionally invest into them and to work with them and to train them and to pour into them for the rest of their childhood and into their adolescence. And it's something that I wish that I had learned earlier, but I thank God that I still have the opportunity to be a part and to work with them and to see, see them blossom. And so I just wanna challenge you as well to think through that. This has been an incredible summer, and it's going to be an incredible fall. But I thank God for my son who taught me that wonderful, wonderful value of turning an I can't into an I did. And that does bring us to the end of this podcast. This has been a short podcast, and I do know that. But let me just encourage you, you may have some young kids and you may have, uh, you don't—you may not have any kids at all, but let me just encourage you to take these tips, to think through the things that I've challenged you, you today, yeah, and just things that I've just been sharing with you. Um, but think through this, how? what are the things in your life, what are some of the challenges that you have, what are some of the failures that you've had? where you have, you know, you might have failed to to work out or take control of your health, whatever it is, whatever those things are, whatever those things are in your life that you keep saying, you know, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. I just can't do this. Let me just challenge you to take that. I can't and turn that into, an I did. Hey, listen, once again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You know, if you would do me a favor and rate this podcast on iTunes, listen, we are changing things. Uh, We're going to be changing a lot of things with the format, really improving on it. But what that does is when you rate it, it sort of helps. uh, It kind of, I say sort of, it helps get the word out, and it also may attract other people who may be interested into this message. After all, beloved, what we are trying to do on the In The City podcast as we are trying to promote the message of hope through the power of the gospel, and that is a gospel that I am committed to and one that I think is worth, worth working through. And so now I pray to you, and I, well, I don't pray to you, and let me pray for you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you in the city. Transcription